big God. So pray a big prayer and believe and know that God is working on your behalf. I want to preach to us this morning. Um, sermon series, In This Moment, In This Moment, and we're finishing out the rest of Daniel, and we're going to then segue into the Christmas season, In This Moment. I'm looking forward in a few weeks to preaching on Simeon and Anna. Maybe you want to jump over into the New Testament and read about those two figures. They're fascinating to me. Not a whole lot said about them, but uh, they just are powerful, powerful people, and uh, go over and read about them a little bit. Those will be the last two sermons of this sermon series. But in this moment, we see so many things that we've studied in the book of Daniel that has been history, that has been fulfilled. We see so much in the book of Daniel about prophecy that is going to be fulfilled, and it talks about the last days. But there's also so much in this book that is applicable to the here and to the now and in this moment. And today, I want to encourage us today... In this moment, I will not lose heart. That is the title of today's sermon. I will not lose heart. I will not quit. I will not give up. But even deeper than that, not only will I not quit, not only will I not give up, I won't be discouraged all the time. I won't be depressed. I won't be distraught. It's hard when we get into those mindsets, isn't it? Has anybody ever been discouraged? Am I the only one that's ever been discouraged or distraught or beaten down? And I believe as Christians, God would say to us this morning, don't lose heart. Meaning, don't quit, of course, but as you're persevering, as you're continuing on, don't get down in the dumps. Don't get depressed. Don't be discouraged. Look to God for encouragement for strength, because God is here to help us. I will not lose heart. Let's start off Daniel chapter 10, verses two and three. Daniel chapter 10, two and three. And let, let's look at some of this passage this morning. It said, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three full weeks. He was discouraged. He was down. He was probably very anxious, very, very upset. I ate no pleasant food and no meat or no wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now, this is a passage that we use many times in regards to the Daniel fast. You remember early on in the book of Daniel when they refused to eat of the king's table but now we see again another version of what we call the Daniel fast. And here for three weeks, thus the 21 days. But Daniel was about to receive a great vision from God. That shouldn't surprise any of us as we've journeyed through this book. We see him receive so many visions from God. And we see him interpret so many dreams of God. But you know, being used of God and having things shown to you by God and ministry for God is not for the faint of heart. You hear me this morning that it comes with a cost, it comes with a price, it comes with a burden. And we see many times Daniel struggling. We see many times an angel appear to Daniel and Daniel fall to the, to the ground. 
Now, some people tell us they see angels all the time and they walk around with angels. They have rooms that angels just kind of sit down with them. Well, every time I've seen an angel show up in the Bible, the, the man or woman of God has gotten a little upset, <laughs> a little step back. I just want us to, to understand something this morning. The things of God and the power of God and the angels of God are very, very, very real. And they're not anything to take lightly. They're not anything, you know. And so anytime they showed up to Daniel, he fell down. <laughs> he wasn't sitting on the couch holding their hand and eating cheese and crackers and being all familiar with them. There was a holy power right there. And um, the things of God, the people of God, the, the angels of God are very, very real, very, very powerful. But Daniel is struggling here. He realizes that God's gonna show him something. He realizes that God's about to do something for his people, and we've talked about these things in other sermons. And he's wrestling with God in prayer and fasting for 21 days. And I, I know that many times as Christians, we wanna push a button and we want a result, don't we? And, and when I go in the kitchen uh, for a late night snack and I put something in the microwave oven and I push those buttons, I want it instantly, right? We want it to happen. I don't go downstairs and put things in a crock pot. My gracious, alive. You know, I show up when they're getting things out of the crock pot, right? I want an instant. I want it now. But the things of God, many times God causes us to seek and to wait, doesn't he? And sometimes even to wrestle and sometimes to even to, to plead with him. And Daniel is mourning for three full weeks, 21 days. He's fasting and he's praying. He doesn't anoint himself with any of the ointment that was common for that day. And he stays in his house. I don't want to be too critical this morning, but a, a man in our country who claims to be a, a prophet of, of God and he was talking on Facebook the other day about God had given him this big revelation and uh, he was so, in, so encouraged by it, he was sitting in the passenger seat writing it all up while his wife was driving him to the Alabama football game. Well, God bless his heart. What a great prophet. You know, he was on his way to the football game and he's making such a sacrifice sitting in the, in the passenger seat trying to write it all down. And I'm thinking, as, as I'm reading that, I'm thinking, I've been studying Daniel, a man who locked himself up in the house for 21 days without food and was mourning. And I know I'm being critical. Forgive me. Forgive your pastor this morning. But it does put it in perspective today of how far our prophets and our, even all of us have, have gone, isn't it? This is a serious thing. And Daniel was 21 days mourning and praying and fasting. And I can't tell you I've done that, right? So I'm preaching on myself too. I'm not, not just throwing off on, I won't say his name, but I'm throwing off on myself too. But it's a serious thing. And, and he was seeking the Lord. And he was in tough times. But I want to tell us this morning, however tough and however frustrating and however discouraging, we cannot lose heart. Let me break that down. Don't lose our posture. What do you mean your posture, Pastor Greg? The posture both on the interior and on the exterior. Daniel's posture towards God on the interior, he had such a heart to hear from God. He had a, such a heart to see God do something for him and for his, more importantly, even for his people. 
And so his posture was he secluded himself for 21 days. His posture was he wouldn't eat. His posture was prayer. That was the external. And, and many times here in church, sometimes we'll say, let's lift our hands to the Lord. That's a posture, isn't it? That's an exterior posture, but hopefully we're doing it because internally we have a posture of praise. Internally, we want to acknowledge God, and so we lift our hands, or sometimes we kneel on our knees before the Lord, and that's an external posture, but why do we do that? Because on the inside, we want to humble ourselves before our maker. Why do some people have problems with that? Why do some people not want to lift their hands? Why do some people not want to kneel before the Lord? Why do some people say, I'm not doing that? Sometimes they just don't understand, right? Sometimes they just need to be taught, and sometimes the Lord's working on them and dealing with them. But sometimes it's pride, isn't it? Have you ever been prideful? Have I ever been prideful? Yes, oh yes. And sometimes pride can say, well, I don't want to lift my hands to God. I don't want to kneel before the Lord. I don't want anybody to notice anything about pride. But I don't want to have a posture of pride. Do you want to have a posture of pride? I want to have a posture of humility and honor towards God. And that's what Daniel had. And that will help us not to lose heart. Because when we humble ourselves before the Lord, the Bible says, humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God that he might exalt us. Lift us up when it's the right time. In due season, the King James Version said. So I will not lose heart. Here's something else I want to remind us of this morning, that I'm in a good place. Look at your neighbor and say, you're in a good place. Now, I'm not just talking about the church. Now, that's a good place. It's a good place to be here this morning. It's a great place. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. We're going to eat some food after a while. Praise God. We're in a good place. It's a good place. But as a child of God, we are always in a good place. Let me explain what I'm trying to say. Look at Daniel 10 and 12. Daniel 10 and 12. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come before your words. What God is saying here to Daniel, he had sent an angel to Daniel and the angel has given him this message. But what God is saying to Daniel is, Daniel, the very first day, you've been praying for three weeks, 21 days, and you've been wondering where is the answer? Where is the reinforcement? Where is it at? And I wanna remind you that the first day you prayed, I heard you. I wanna remind you and I this morning that prayer is immediate, and instant. Now notice I didn't say the answer is immediate and instant, right? But prayer is immediate and prayer is instant. And so when I say this morning I'm in a good place, as a child of God, I'm always in a good place because I can always pray. Do you believe that? Do you believe you can always pray? We don't have to be here in church to pray. We don't have to come around this altar to pray. All those things are good, but anywhere I am at, as a child of God, I can pray. If I'm right in the middle of a crisis, I can pray. If I'm right in the middle of a confrontation, I can pray. If I'm right in the middle of a struggle or a test or a problem or whatever it might be, I can pray and I can be confident that God has heard my prayer that 
very instant. Do you believe that? Say amen. You see, I'm in a good place. God hears my prayer anytime I pray, anywhere I pray. Prayer is immediate, prayer is instant, and the Bible assures us that when we pray, God hears us, and the petition we have for him, the request we have made to him has been made, and he understands it. Sometimes you might say, Pastor, in the heat of the struggle, I try to pray, but I really just don't feel like I get all the words out right, or I don't know how to say it, or, or, or I'm trying, and it's okay. Just do your best. It's instant, immediate, and God understands what you and I are trying to pray. Sometimes the Bible talks about us praying and groaning and uttering. Have you ever groaned? Oh, you know, just pray. Just pray, don't overcomplicate it, don't worry. Sometimes I used to pray and then I would try to pray again and think, oh, I don't know if I got it right. <laughs> I don't know if I worded it right, and I, I, but Lord, you know, and I was meaning and I was trying. God knows what we're praying. Don't overcomplicate it, just do it. And I'm preaching that to me as much as I am to you. God hears us instantly. He understands the intents of our hearts instantly. Isn't God good? God knows what we're trying to pray better than we know how or know what we're trying to pray. Prayer is immediate. Prayer is instant. Not only am I in a good place because I can pray immediately, I can pray instantly, but when I pray, Tony Evans said it this way, I'm not fighting for victory. I'm fighting from a place of victory. You see, I'm in a good place. As a child of God, I am fighting, I am praying, I am living from a place of victory already. That should cause our prayer to join with faith and then let it rest in the hands of God. And if it's 21 days until he answers, so be it. The answer will come when God sends the answer, but the prayer has already been heard, already been received. I can move on from a place of victory knowing God has heard and God will answer. That's what happened right here. The angel appeared to Daniel and said, hey, fear not, I heard you, God heard you the first time that you prayed. You see, I'm in a good place. So regardless of my circumstance, I'm in a good place. Thirdly, I am treasured. I am treasured. Now, if your wife is beside of you right now, it might be a good time you could look over her and say, you are such a treasure to me. Now, some of you laughed at that. I, don't. <laughs> I am treasured. I'm preaching this morning about not losing heart. And we remind ourselves of where we are, the place that we are in God and Christ. But remind ourselves, too, of how valued we are of Christ. You think about how much you love your spouse and how you treasure your spouse or Think about a child, how we love our children. We treasure our children. But God treasures us at a level far beyond even that. We can't really comprehend how much God treasures us. Daniel 10, 19. The angels already said, God heard your prayer the first time you called. And he said, oh man, greatly beloved, greatly beloved. Beloved, fear not, peace be to you. Be strong, yes, be strong. He's reminding Daniel, God loves you. God loves you. And sometimes we just need to look in the mirror and remind ourselves as individual, God loves 
me. God loves me. He loves me more than I could ever imagine. God loved me so much that he sent his only son for me, to die for me. And then he seeks to save me. He looks for me. Remember the other week we preached about the, the sheep and how the shepherd goes and tries to find the lost sheep and picks him up, right, and brings him back. But there's parables all through there that have that same meaning. One of them was a lost coin, and a coin is great value. But the parable goes, they swept the whole house until they found the lost coin. That's just another way of saying Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. It's just another way of saying you are valuable. I am valuable. We are treasured in the sight of God so much so that he sent his only son to this earth to look for us, to find us, and to bring us into relationship with him. We're so treasured that not only does God give us his son, but we're treasured that God gives us help and support. He has given us his word. He has given us the Holy Spirit. But he also has given angels to watch over us. You say, Pastor Greg, do you believe in angels? Yes. They're very scriptural. I don't talk a lot about angels. I have never really done a huge deep dive into angels, but I know that the Bible teaches and shows us that there are angels all through this world. And, and the Bible teaches and shows us that angels encamp about us and they watch over us and they assist us and they're just another way of God showing us how treasured we are to him. Look at Daniel 10, 20 and 21. It continues on this conversation that Daniel was having with the angel that appeared to him. Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. This was an evil angel or what we would call a demon. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. But I tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael. Michael is the archangel, your prince. Reason I read that scripture this morning is here in the middle part of chapter 10, we really start seeing a picture of the structure of I guess, angels and demons. You say, pastor, you believe in angels? You believe in demons? Yes, I, I believe. You can't believe in one without believing in the other. And we see a structure, a picture here uh, of the classic good versus evil. Next week is Halloween and the sermon, Lord willing, that I'm gonna try to preach next week will talk more about good versus evil and it'll tie it to Daniel chapter 11. But here we see a picture of good versus evil. Let me remind us this morning as we're living here in this life, let's look at it soberly for a moment. We are in a battle between good versus evil. And there is a real devil or Lucifer or Satan or whatever name we call him. He is very, very, very real. And he opposes God. And because of his opposition towards God, he hates all of us because we were created in the image of God. And so we have a very real enemy in Satan. Satan was the most beautiful angel. He was the leader of the choir, if you will, very musical person. But he wanted to rebel against God, and we see that Satan is a fallen angel. But we see that, angel, that, that Satan took with him a third of the angels. 
So what are those third of the angels now? They're what we would call demons or evil spirits. And so there is a very real spiritual realm that exists around us, above us, this good versus evil, there are angels, there are demons, and we see a picture of that in Daniel chapter 10 when we see that Daniel has prayed and God had sent an angel to bring the answer and an evil force had fought against that angel. But God sent reinforcements and the, and the answer came to Daniel. There is a very real battle in the spiritual realm. There are angels and there are demons We see here, as I kind of studied and dug out through some of these scriptures, evidently Satan has a structure and a strategy of how he has assigned these fallen angels, these demons. And evidently there are strong demons who are assigned over certain geographical areas and maybe even over certain countries. And there are certain demons that are dispatched to certain nations And then, oh yes, I believe that he dispatches and sends demons to fight against individuals at times. It's a very real thing. But I don't want us to lose heart when we think about that because we remind ourselves that God has already accomplished his part, right? We remind ourselves that we live, we fight, we move, we breathe from a place of victory through Jesus Christ God has redeemed us and God has resourced us. And so when we know that we're coming into battle against Satan's forces, we know that we are fighting from a place of victory and we are victors. But we must take our responsibility too. So that's where my final point is, I'm dressed for success. We take our responsibility in this fight, I'm dressed for success. You ever dress for success? Have you ever dressed to go um, to a, anybody dressed up to go to a job interview before? Anybody? I'm the only one. Nobody else works. Shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've dressed to go to job interviews. I've been in tons of job interviews through the years. Some I've gotten and some I've not gotten. And I went one time to interview to um, be an assistant superintendent. And I didn't get the job, didn't get it. But I went, I thought I'm gonna give it a shot. I, was, I, was, uh, I knew some of the people and, and I got an interview, which was pretty big just to get the interview. And I drove from Radford over to Floyd County. And I don't know if anybody's familiar with that drive or whatever, but I drove over and I had my suit on. I didn't put my tie on. And I got to Floyd County. And before the interview, I was gonna put my tie on And I got the tie around my neck and I went to button my top button and my fat head and my fat neck and I could not get the shirt to button. There's no Walmart in Floyd, Virginia. There's Slaughter Supermarket. There's Blue Ridge Cafe. There is the dollar store. There's the courthouse. There's the school. There's no Walmart. There's nowhere to get another shirt for my fat head. (laughs) And I tried, and I tried, and I tried so much that I had an indention of a button on my thumb as I'm trying and trying and desperately trying to dress for success, to get that button to button so I can pull my tie all the way up and go in an interview with this superintendent to try to be his assistant. 
Long story short, I never got that buttoned. I went in the grocery store. I thought maybe they'll have a, a extender. Maybe there's something I can find in one of these, you know, health and beauty aid aisle. Couldn't find anything. Finally, I had to go, had to go to do the interview. So I did the best I could to dress for success. I tried to pull the tie up as far as I could. And I interviewed with the man. And a few days later, my superintendent came to my office and visited me. And she thought I was going to get the job. Evidently, he had called her and talked to her as a reference, and, and, and it seemed like, I thought, oh, wow, I'm going to get this job. And she said, but one thing, though, he did mention your button, your top button. She said, he's a very snazzy dresser himself, and he said, your button wasn't, <laughs> wasn't buttoned. I said, Dr. Greer, I know, I couldn't get <laughs> a button. And she was a very elegant, dressy type person. I don't know that she really thought very highly of, of my funny story, but it is what it is. But I didn't get the job. I don't know if it's because I never got the button buttoned or what. I'll, I'll just have to believe it wasn't the Lord's will for me to get the job. But I was trying to dress for success and I couldn't. But I, my point with this story this morning, as you and I as Christians in this battle that we face, sometimes natural, sometimes spiritual forces that are, are fighting against us or pulling the strings against us, you and I can dress for success. Look with me, Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Here's how we dress for success. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in high places or in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand in the evil day. And then having done all to stand, the Bible said what? Then stand therefore. My point is this, get dressed and get determined. Very simple, get dressed and get determined. Realize that I'm not gonna lose heart, I'm not gonna get discouraged. Realize there are going to be obstacles in this life. There are gonna be challenges, there's gonna be heartbreaks, there's gonna be times when we wanna quit, there's gonna be times when we wanna get discouraged, but in those times more than ever, get up, get dressed, and get determined. You see, I will not quit. Somebody say that with me. I will not quit. Let's say it again. I will not quit. You see, like an opposing team, the enemy, our enemy, watches our game film. I know Jeremy's a coach. He's probably watched game film before. The coach will go in, they'll watch the game film of the enemy that, or the competition, and they watch it and they study it. But the enemy of our soul, he watches our game film. He watches what we did yesterday. He watches what tripped us up last week. He watched what caused us to lose our temper a few days ago. He watches our game film. He strategizes against us. But when you and I dress for success, he's an overrated enemy. I've been at basketball games before where the Student section will start chanting, overrated. You ever heard that? Overrated. And they're yelling it towards the opponent. Overrated, overrated. When we dress for success, 
when we fight like Ephesians tells us to live and fight, when we trust in the power of God and his angels that are dispatched to help us and the Holy Spirit and the promises of the word of God and the things he helps us to do practically through his strength, then we can say to our enemies, you are overrated. Remind yourself next time that you're like ready to wring your hand, ready to quit, ready to cry, ready to just whatever. Say, no, 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 wait a minute. This problem is overrated. This opposition is overrated. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Would you stand with me this morning, please? So I want us to pray this way. Remind ourselves this way. In this moment, I recognize that the enemy is overrated when I live according to the word of God. The enemy is overrated when I live powered by the Holy Spirit. So in this moment, I will not lose heart. Would you bow your head and pray with me this morning? God, would you encourage us today? Would you remind us today before we leave this house that we are indeed more than conquerors? You have given us everything we need to live righteously, to live victoriously, and to live in peace, to live in peace, God, to live in encouragement. And God, remind us that when we trust in you, that the enemy is overrated. But we have the power through the Holy Spirit. We have the power through the word of God. And we can live and not quit. But God, greater than that, help us, Lord, as we're not quitting, to live in peace and to live in faith and to live in encouragement and to live in assurance, God, knowing that you're with us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You have helped us and equipped us and restored, resourced us. So God, help us not to lose heart. Help us not to lose heart. Encourage us today by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty, precious name, we pray today. This altar is open as they sing this final song, but just continue to pray and make up your mind that you're not going to quit and not going to lose heart. Psalter is open for you today if you need.